Hey guys, welcome back and today we're going to talk about a topic that you guys have been asking for again and again and again. It's like, why got this weird Singaporean, right, decided to spend time in Malaysia? Like, why did I choose to live there? I'm going to share with you some reasons as to what are some of the benefits that I have observed living in Malaysia and why maybe you can consider life in Malaysia. So yeah, to answer all your questions, I mean, you guys keep asking, right? So yeah, that's what we're going to give you today. Three reasons why a Singaporean should consider Life in Malaysia. Malaysia truly. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. So good morning everyone I welcome you to another day with the Financial Coconut In our podcast, we'll be debunking financial myths Discovering best financial practices And discussing financial strategies that fits our unique life You get it, ultimately empowering us to create a life we love While managing our finances well And today we're going to spend some time to talk about Three reasons why a Singaporean can consider life in Malaysia Okay <laughs> Finally, today I can do an episode that don't need me to do a lot of research, don't need me to do a lot of, you know, objective cross-referencing and it's all about my experience, my reasons and, you know, just my point of view and yeah, it's just gonna make life easier for me today and I, and something that you guys have been asking for, right, like, why do you stay in Malaysia? What are some of the benefits and yeah, I'm gonna share with you guys my experiences and Maybe you can consider life in Malaysia or at least life abroad, right? And don't be too, you know, stuck on this idea that you need to live on this island called Singapore. There are perks living on Singapore, okay? And I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But fundamentally, I'm just here to share with you my views, my experiences, and you can make your own decision ultimately as to whether you want to live life in Singapore or do you want to go out, spend a few years, different countries before you decide where you want to rest and where you want to develop your life. I definitely come from the camp that you should go out there and live life in different places, explore, you know, different cultures, a different way of life and you, you get much deeper understanding of cultural nuances of how societies are structured and then fundamentally you will find a place that you enjoy. I'm sure you guys heard me talk about the ramen theory, right? Um, but for, for everyone in heaven, I'm going to share with you the, this ramen theory. Essentially is, I remember there was a period of time where Ajisan was the only ramen in town, right? Ajisan ramen. I don't know why they're still in town. I don't know why they're still around, okay? But back then, Ajisan ramen was the only ramen and everyone was like, oh my god, this is very nice, very nice, very nice. But now, after many years, 10 over years, where ramen is now a thing, there are more and more choices and all these like Marutama, like, you know, Keiseki, everybody is in town. And you try all these other different ramen and you look at Ajisan, it's like, wow, Ajisan, actually, you suck, man. You just don't taste as good as before. And this is what I think is very important because if you don't have points or references to compare, you cannot objectively say whether what is good and what is not, right? So you should go out and live your life 
try different places, explore different, you know, countries, you know, different cultures, and you then make an objective um, choice of like, okay, I want to live here because of blah, 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 right? Even ultimately, if you decide that you want to come back to Singapore, you're a lot more calm, you're a lot more clearer, you're, you're much clearer as to why you decide to spend life on this little island called Singapore, but huh, you better don't go to Anjisan, you know, I was not judge you, yeah? <laughs> But anyway, aside from like, you know, Malaysia being a bit more affordable to live in because of exchange rates, you know, uh, all your like, I think there's a term called geo-arbitrage geo or something. Essentially, it just means you make money from a, you know, a wealthier spot and then you go to somewhere else to live and, you know, I think most people, when they think of me living in Malaysia, they always think, you know, uh, it's cheaper law. That's why you go there, which is not wrong. That was kind of one of the main reasons why I went there to begin with. Of course, proximity to Singapore, familiarity in terms of culture, in terms of language. I think all those, all those, they help. Right? It's very important. Um, but I'm going to give you some deeper reasons after living there for a while and why I think you can consider life in Malaysia. So the very first reason and probably one of the most important reasons, right, that I think Singaporeans should live abroad and specifically in Malaysia is that you actually have space to retreat. Okay, this is very important. Why? Um, in Singapore, you don't really have like kampongs, you don't have like towns, you don't have spaces to go um, if you are struggling. Right? Let's say you're struggling with finances, you don't have like a Ipo to go there and you know hang out for a while, or you don't have like a Malacca to go there and try out some other tourism business or something, right? And in Singapore, everything is so homogeneous and you're just on an island, everybody works in similar kind of setting in the office, in an engineering firm, or wherever, right? There, there is certain homogeneity in terms of your job scope, your way of life, the pace of life. In general, it's the same. So you have no place to retreat and take a break and take a breather, you know, rewire yourself and review your life. And to me, that is very, very scary and probably one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are, you know, mentally, you know, just overwhelmed because there's just no place to take a break. It becomes a little bit like you on a treadmill and you're always running on like speed 14, you know, or speed 12. Maybe I run at about speed 10. Uh, but, but you're always running at a max. You're running at your maximum capacity. There's no room to slow down and breathe and, you know, run at an 8 or brisk walk at a 7. It, life is just very, very fast. And one of the main reasons probably is because there is no place for you to go. In Malaysia, right, of course, inevitably, KL, you know, you get paid the most, right? right? And that is where most of the young people, they try to go to KL to work, you know, and make their money, try to strive for their lives, gather their finances. And, th and that is the reality of the capitalistic system. But you can, you know, after three years working in Kale, you can take a break, you know, six months, you want to live in Ipoh for a while, you want to go to Malacca for like three weeks and just hang, breathe, rethink and try a different pace of life. And I think that is one of the more important aspects of life in Malaysia, right? Which is, they have a very convenient transport system from interstate traveling. You can go to different places very easily and you can literally just take a break and go somewhere else. In Singapore, we don't have this luxury. We don't even have seasons, right? In some parts of China that I used to live in, people 
take like what three or four months break during the winter because it's just too cold you cannot work right so humans being humans we all need a break right which is why a lot of people spend a lot of money going to travel and all those kind of stuff um, but even when they travel they continue that pace because it really takes time to slow down and rewire and breathe and think. So the beauty of living in Malaysia is you have this kind of space to retreat to. And it's much easier, you know, of course, Thailand, Vietnam, all these are the same, but um, like I said, you know, language and all those things, they do add up. So it's not unique to Malaysia, but having space to chill, breathe, think, I think that is very, very important. Of course, when I say chill, breathe, think, right? It's not like just go there and chill and wine and you're just stuck in Malacca for your life like that, you know? Of course, some people will end up finding that, hey, actually, I like the slower pace in Ipoh, slower pace in Malacca or Kelantan or wherever you want to go, right? Slower pace of life. It is something that you enjoy, something that you're comfortable. Good. Do what you need to do. And if... If five years, ten years down the road, life changes, it takes a turn and you need to change and you need to turn, then okay, that, that is life, right? Which is why it's very difficult to plan 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. But that's topic for another day. On this topic of like having space to go, being in Malaysia gives me that kind of choice that I can go to different places and do different things under different pace um, to develop what I need to develop. Like, the podcast was developed in Malaysia because I have more space. I don't need to be too concerned about, you know, well, every month I need to make money to live and blah, blah, blah. So you are hearing something that I developed in Malaysia, but it blew up and, you know, it just kept growing and growing and growing. And that is the beauty of having that slower pace and having that breathing space to develop, ideate, do things that you need to do before you take on bigger challenges. And when you are ready, you can always go back to KL, you can always go back to Singapore, or you can go further, go to New York, go to Hong Kong, wherever you want to go, go out there and live your life, take your challenges and do what you need to do. But don't forget, one of the most important things of creating good stuff is space, time and work. Sometimes living in a high-density city like Singapore, which is very fast-paced, don't give us cheap access to time, space, you know, and resources to develop our ideas, our way of life, and us as a person. So yeah, one of the main reasons why you can live in Malaysia probably is because you have this breeding space. Which brings me to my next point. Maybe a bit biased, some Singaporeans may go crazy, but I honestly think Malaysians are generally more generous and friendlier. Okay, I'm not trying to like steer a war here, but I will share with you my experiences when I lived there after a word from our sponsor. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Definitely one of the main reasons why I chose to live in Malaysia at that point in time was because um, I had friends in Malaysia. I, of course, I wanted to leave Singapore and I think I talk about it extensively because very pressured, you know, I had, I was going through stuff, personal stuff. Uh, if you meet me personally, I can tell you, but I'm not going to record live here. Lah, huh? But choosing Malaysia was definitely because I had friends there and I thought I had friends. Lah, huh? but, <laughs> because, but after I went there, I realized that 
my friends um, are pretty interesting because whenever I travel there as a tourist, right? That means as a Singaporean, I go to Malaysia, they will make time for me, right? They will ask me, go dim sum, hey, come, let's go out and eat. They'll make time for me and whatnot. But once I decided to live there and I tell them, hey, I'm living here now, then they'll be like, okay, la, then I'll meet you in three weeks' time. La. Then they, they no longer take me as a tourist. There's no longer a foreigner premium. They price me the same as other friends. I have to wait for their schedule now. <laughs> so if you're a friend, you have a Malaysian friend, yeah, I want you to know, okay? You take care of me, okay? I'm still a foreigner, huh? But yeah, the moment I shifted there, they immediately associate me as a local and they no longer give me a premium. Um, but it's okay, it's fine. Over time, I make new friends. Of course, uh, they're still my friends. Okay, I'm not saying that I, I disown them or they disown me. It's just I realized that I needed to have a bigger social circle. It's not just a handful of friends, right? Because they are also busy. They have their own lives and, you know, it is what it is. But over time, I met a lot, a lot of interesting people and I realized that in general, Malaysians are just very helpful, very friendly, and uh, a bit more generous. And I have some thoughts about it. I'm not saying that they're objective, but I think one of the main reasons why um, Malaysians are very friendly is that they uh, try not to be too political, but they don't really have a lot of government support in some sense. Okay, So they have been very used to building things together. right? Because their government is not as strong in terms of their management and in terms of like, you know, really being very present in people's life. Like in Singapore, it sounds very normal and, you know, it's like, oh, go and get this grant, arrange for that thing, talk to the police, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's very normal. It feels like, yeah, you should talk to the government or you should interact with the public service. But in Malaysia, it's not really the case. People don't really interact with public service. They don't really even care about public services. Um, of course, they care about voting who into the parliament, but that's that's another thing. But my view is because there is limited public, you know, um, in terms of public services and they are very used to building things together. They have a lot of uh, clan uh, organizations, a lot of private organizations that will pull money together to build, you know, a school, pull money together to build a hospital, pull money together to do whatever that they need to do. And there is a lot of community-led kind of stuff. And, and these community-led stuff, they flourish to become important pillars of their social fabric. Not like some of our community projects where it becomes just a once a year, one event, or like, you know, it just dwindles off over time. Because our structures in Singapore are already very, very strong. But in Malaysia, they had to, res you know, they had to do a lot of private kind of organizations. And, and I think in general, because of that, Malaysians are a lot more cooperative and they are they are more you know willing to come together so they understand you know the power of relationships they understand you know like everybody has their challenges has their hard times and you know just very nice in general okay i'm going to give you some stories on my and why i think they are very um, generous and very interesting very nice people lah. one of the most important thing is i don't drive in kl right so um the public transport system is not as e efficient not as effective here sometimes i have to Imagine, right, it was like before Circle Line, before Downtown Line, all this exists. You, if you live in Tampines and you want to go to Yishun, right, you have to take the train all the way to Raffles Place and then you change the train to Yishun, right? So that's the same thing in Malaysia, just maybe two, three times longer a trip because it is bigger, right? So sometimes uh, when I meet my friends, they know that it's very inconvenient for me to go to these places. They will say, they help, I'll just pick you up at, you know, 
the nearest MRT station, you know, the the, the nearest train station. And to me, that is um, pretty cool uh, because they know my limitations and they're willing to meet me and hang out with me. So they will embrace my reality and not just expect me to get there, you know. So they drive to places and they pick me up. Very friendly, very cool. Um, also, I've met a lot of them at those kind of meetup events and generally, my sensing is that, you know, they are a lot more... Uh, interested in you or maybe because I'm a foreigner right because I'm a Singaporean so they will be like hey actually why you live here so they're more interested to talk to me and that's probably also one of the reasons why it's, it's good for you to live in a foreign land because um, you are more interesting lah, right every day you talk to the same people very sian right so more interesting and they will be vested in you uh, and whatnot of course we have a lot of gatherings at friends places and, and whatnot but of course it's very dynamic in terms of like I'm sure not all Malaysians are the same and not all Singaporeans are assholes, okay? I'm not saying that Singaporeans are assholes. I have a lot of good friends here also and I have a lot of good friends in Malaysia, maybe because I'm a good friend also. Lah. But what I believe is Malaysians in general, they are just more open, friendlier, more willing to get to know you. Of course, you know, when it comes to relationship, it's very personal, it's very dynamic, very tough to say exactly how it is because it depends on the person, depends on where you stay, who you meet, da, 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 a lot of dynamism in this. So my experience tells me Malaysians are very nice, huh? in general, more friendly. So it's for you to call, but I'm not trying to be objective here. This is my personal experience. So point number three, okay, why Singaporeans should consider life in Malaysia is there's actually less consumerism in Malaysia. So this is not something that is like super Malaysia, but it's more like a Singapore thing, right? Even I didn't realize, you know, cognitively that it is it is where it is or it is or in Singapore there's a lot of consumerism. Um, there's just a lot of opportunity to buy things and consume things and you know um, whatnot, right? And and this came from a friend who lived in Greece and she came back with her kids and her kids were so excited all the time because everywhere they went in Singapore, out of the MRT, near a bus stop or like downstairs from your house, there's just places to buy things, consume things and shop, eat, everything, right? So there's just so much consumption or so many places for you to consume, you know, living in Singapore. And after I heard that story, I I, I thought about it. I said, yeah, actually, it's true because... When I live in Malaysia, I have to go out of my way to buy things. Right? I have to go out to arrange for a day to go to the supermarket and buy things or I have to go out somewhere to you know, buy certain things that I want. It's not, easy, not easily found everywhere. Of course, delivery services, they help. But it's, it doesn't feel like at every corner, right, I'm being bombarded by bubble tea shops or I'm being bombarded by like Watsons or bombarded by just tons and tons of shops and activities for me to consume. And to me, why is that very important? Because when you live in Singapore and you have all these shops and e easy access to consume, a lot of times you're consuming out of an emotional spur, right? Suddenly you feel like, oh, actually, hey, I feel like having a bubble tea and then you, you buy it. You know, or you walk past sales, sales, sales. There's all these sales signs. Everywhere got sales, sales, neon light. You know, it's the worst is the, the, the dollar shop. Uh. Always sale one, never end one. Okay, but anyway, just um, so much attractiveness that keep trying to get you to buy and consume you end up buying so many things that you don't need you end up consuming that extra curry puff that you don't need or that extra cup of bubble tea that you don't need because you actually don't really need it but this small urge and being triggered by all these kind of consumption attractive you know um, 
marketing ploy and an attraction. Like, essentially, they're trying to get you to consume, right? But they open shop, huh? So when I look at that, it's very, very unhealthy. Because maybe more than half your purchases right, are emotional rather than you actually being aware of why you want this, why you are buying it. Does it really have use in your life? So you get trapped in this endless consumption cycle, right? And you always feel like you need more, you need more, you need more. A lot of problems happen from there. But when I live in Malaysia, um, you can say because it's not convenient, right? There's a central market. Everybody has to like kind of go there. Like, of course, there are major uh, markets and major clusters of shop houses everywhere in different parts of the state. So you actually have to plan your purchases, right? Like if you, okay, I want to get this, 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 you know, and then you got to plan at the weekend, you go to there or you want to avoid the weekends, you go, you know, Wednesday afternoon or something. I specifically have to go out to a certain bread shop at this particular place because I like their bread and, you know, there are different, different things I need to buy there. So I become very cognitive about, okay, what do I like? What do I enjoy? What do I not like? You know, I'm not every day getting like, hey, you know, want, want an extra bubble tea? Hey, want to eat old chunky? You know? So to me, because there's less consumerism or because it is structured in a way that there are less easy convenience for you to consume, I become a lot clearer as, okay, what do I actually like? What do I actually need? What do I really enjoy? And over time, I become, you know, a lot more aware, a lot more comfortable as to, okay, what do I need to create a life that I love? And to me, that is fundamentally beautiful, fundamentally important not unique to Malaysia, but it's a serious problem in Singapore that I, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people see it from this angle, but I hope it helps you to, to kind of be more aware. Even if you don't live abroad, after you listen to this podcast, don't tell me suddenly you want to live in Malaysia, but you should be more cognizant and aware that every other day when you leave the MRT or when you go on your way home, there are a lot of shops, a lot of retail outlets, a lot of makan places trying to get your attention. And sometimes, or many a times, you're buying out of emotional triggers and not because you actually need it, okay? So we're going to sum up today some three reasons why Singaporeans should consider life in Malaysia. Number one is because you have space to retreat. So Malaysia is much bigger. You've got different pace of life in different cities, different towns, and you can just kind of go in and out. When you want to fight, you go to KL, you know, you, you can also come back to Singapore to pursue whatever you want to pursue. If you take a break, you want an idea on something, you can always go to a slow, smaller town, slower town to do what you need to do. So to me, that is very important. Number two, Malaysia in general, um, I think the people are a little bit more friendly, la, like more, more willing to share. And yeah, that is, that is my view. Of course, may not be the truth. You feel free to share your perspective. And number three is that in general, there is just less consumerism, less easy convenience consumption. You know, so to me, that helps us to better understand our lives. What do I need and how do I create the life I love? So I hope you learned something useful today. See ya! Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting to share, debated and discuss. I hope you would share what you've gained with people you love and I want to hear from you. Give me some questions and help me along with building a community of financially savvy coconut. I hope together we can fulfill our curious minds and our desire for clarity. Join our community telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. Enjoy the podcast and if you want to keep us growing and stay independent, do buy us Kofi at Kofi.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all.
Test, test. Okay, hope you guys learned something useful today. Um, yeah, head over to Malaysia. It's not too bad a place. You could maybe find a different life. But I think more importantly, it is not about staying in Malaysia, but it's really about going out and explore. You know, the beauty of being a Singaporean is that you do have, um, many of us do have the resources to go and explore. And f don't be in a rush to, you know, decide that you want to stay here. Ultimately, if you want to come back, good for you. If not, the world is your playground, right? And being born in Singapore has that kind of advantage. So go out and try and do what you need to do, you know. Don't need to die-die, stay here and just be here for being here like that. Ultimately, I hope you can find a place that you can settle down and, you know, create a life you can love. And it so happens it have it is in Singapore, okay, cool. If it's not, somewhere else, okay. If it's in Malaysia, not uh, you know, reach out to me. <laughs> Maybe by then I'm not in Malaysia anymore. But yes, so that's that. Next week, um, since we're on the topic of being in Malaysia, and one of the biggest challenge I had when I was there on the first time was, where do I rent? Where do I stay? How do I find a place that I, you know, can afford, you know, without you know, being too, yeah, to be, without being too crazy, right? So I'm going to share some tips for first-time home renter, right? It's very personal on, on my view. Uh, it is based on my expectations and my experience so far. It's it's not like objective, you know, not, yeah, I'm tired of objective stuff. But anyway, yes, it's my, my experience being a first-time home renter. I'm going to share with you some tips, you know, how to be, a good first-time home renter like, because the understanding is you have no experience and you don't know what you want or you think you know what you want but actuality is after a year you know yourself much better. So yes, see you next week as we talk more about some tips and tricks for first-time home renters. See ya! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.